Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. I get to do some really good expanding today because I have invited Tracy Bagley Hooper to join me. Tracy comes from the television news industry, and she teaches people how to connect better through civility. I think we'll have some fun talking about that. Tracy, welcome to Live on Purpose Radio. Thank you, Paul. It's a pleasure to be here. Honored to have you here. I think we've got to start with that word civility. Oh. Civility. What, what does that mean? Civility. Well, I think it means different things to different people, but it can begin with how you treat people when you meet them. Okay. I believe if you look someone in the eye, it makes them feel important. Not checking our phone, not looking over their shoulder to see if somebody more important is coming by, but mm-hmm. looking someone in the eye. And if it's a little tricky for you to look someone in the eye, if someone is introverted or just quiet, just look at the bridge of someone's nose. It's a great oh, fake. It looks like you're <laughs> looking them in the eye. You're in it's the neighborhood. It's close enough. <laughs> it's close enough. <laughs> and that, that experience of looking someone in the eye and saying, it's a pleasure to meet you. How do you do? How do you do is one of my favorite greetings. I find when I say, how do you do? People will say, well, I'm fine, thank you. How do you do? (laughs) Then we can begin this lovely civilized connection uh, that just begins with eye contact. And then I like to add a pleasant resting face. You know about a pleasant resting resting face? face. (laughs) Well, we've seen different varieties of resting faces. Haven't we now? Pleasant is one of them. Yes. But it's not often the most common one. Have I was noticing this over the weekend, Tracy. I took my family to an amusement park. Yes. The word amusement is in the title. Right. And I'm looking around at people who look unhappy. Oh, and it's, I, don't, I don't think they necessarily were unhappy, but their resting face was kind of a, a right. I don't know, more, more of a grumpiness. Yes. Something other than pleasant. Right. Oh, isn't that interesting? Yeah, you know, you expect people who are having dinner together or who at, are at an amusement park to be having fun. In mm-hmm. my view, our world, because we are so connected to our phones and our computers, Uh, We don't have a lot of chance to have that personal connection with people. Mm. And and also we have a lot of, in our culture, a lot of magazines and billboards and newspapers, photographs, where people look vacant. They look distant. They look angry. You can pick up any, I mean, most any catalog, even if it's for something joyful like cool clothes, Mm -hmm. people look very disconnected. And I think we imitate that. You know, we sort of do what we know. If, if a certain yeah. hairstylist 
in vogue, people do that. If certain kinds of glasses are in vogue, people adopt those. And I think it's the same with facial expressions. But if you have a pleasant resting face, which is when your your cheeks are slightly upturned, you don't have to look like you have this big, huge smile like you just heard a really funny joke, but slightly uplifted cheeks, engaged eyes, and... And, and and lifting your eyebrows, you know, when you lift your right. eyebrows, that's the universal sign of curiosity. That means I'm listening to you. Wow, I'm curious about what you have to say. Tell me more about that. Now you can have a civilized, quick conversation. It doesn't have to be intense. It can just be a quick interaction with someone at the grocery store when you're getting your gas filled, when you're picking up your dry cleaning, when you're in line at the bank or getting ready to get tickets for a great, or going into a great concert or a basketball game. Just that simple gesture of having a pleasant resting face can soften people. And when people soften in their face, then I believe they soften in their hearts. And then we can connect with each other. A little forewarning here. All right. People are going to wonder what the heck you're up to. <laughs> I get this sometimes, Tracy, because I've, I've practiced this pleasant resting face. And, and people wonder sometimes what I'm up. They're like, what? Yeah. Um, I know. People will wave at me that I yes. don't know. And it's just because I've got this pleasant resting face that you're mm-hmm. talking about. Raise the eyebrows just a touch. And, yes. And lighten it up. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how contagious that can become as well. Yes. Well, it, now you should know this as a therapist. Isn't there an, uh, in therapy something called mirroring? Oh, yeah. So tell us about that. Is yeah. that what we're talking about here? Oh, yeah. They taught us this back in shrink school <laughs> where we naturally do this as human, human beings. We will mirror the affect or the expression or the energy of another person. And knowing that, what if we were to intentionally set that up in our own face and in our own presentation? Well, that's going to create a reciprocal effect in other people because they will naturally mirror what we're doing. Yes, and vice versa. Like if we have a nasty resting face, we'll get a lot of that too. One of the things I practice, and this is new for me, but I like, I'm a walker, a power walker, and I put my earbuds in. And when I walk by someone, I purposely take one earbud out and say, good morning, and then put it back in so that they see me physically connecting with them by taking that earbud out, acknowledging them and putting it back in. And it's so cool to see people's reactions because I made the effort. It's not just like, sometimes I would walk by people and say hello, but they have their earbuds in and the music going or some talk radio or something. Mm -hmm. They never even know I'm talking to them, but by physically taking it out, it's a, it's a way to say you're, I I recognize, I'm recognizing you. I want to well today. I see you there. And the civility thing. Yeah. Tracy, you taught me this, that civility is treating someone as if they're the most important person on the planet in this moment, in this space. Yes. And that little motion of taking out your earbud is an acknowledgement that there's nothing else more important right now Mm -hmm. than you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. What a powerful affirmation that is to another human being. Yes, indeed. We're hungry for it. We are starving for connection. We're connected. We're on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and Snapchat, and we're emailing people and we're leaving voicemails. 
but we're not really connected. We're not really having that human experience. And these small gestures can make a big difference. And I believe you can start in the office. You can start in your family. You know, when I was raised in a family of six children, uh, Mm -hmm. we were always taught to look people in the eye, shake their hand firmly, and use our first and last name. And people say to me, well, use your last name. I said, look, unless your name is Adele or Pharrell, (laughs) <laughs> or Beyonce, most successful <laughs> people, one. right? Most successful people introduce themselves using their full name. It is a part of your brand. And I believe when you introduce yourself with your full name, it makes people feel like, wow, they must be really happy to meet me. And then when you shake hands, the web to web is really important. You know, the inside of the thumbs mm-hmm. uh, to, to greet people because that releases oxytocin which is the hormone that's related to trust and bonding. So just by shaking someone's hand with a firm grip and looking them in the eye and using your first and last name means you are the most important person in the room. I am delighted to meet you. Happy to know you. Pleasure to meet you. How do you do? Yes. (laughs) Now, How do you do? You know what, Tracy? This all sounds really awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a huge why behind all of this. I'm I'm going to illuminate the obvious here by saying the first one, and that is this practice increases your own joy. Amen, brother. You got it. Yeah. And why else would we do anything except, I, I mean, at the end of the day, that's why we do what we do, because we want to experience more joy in life. There are some other really cool whys behind this connection, this using civility as a, as a way, a means. I was, I was going to say a tool, but really it's, it's a way, um, a direction, a path to get to increased connection. And you take this into the corporate world yes, for some monetary reasons. Yeah. Because in corporations, it's all about the bottom line, but the bottom line is all about people connecting at some level. Yes, every, most everybody works on a team of some sort. People mm-hmm. report to you, you report to them, you have colleagues. And I think we are so heads down in our devices that we forget that there are human beings behind those. Right. And if you can practice in, I call them low-level labs, right? They might be just with your family yes. or with your a close friend. Then you can expand it. And then more people feel like they are a part of something bigger. And isn't that really what we want? And I know we all want joy, yes. But even when you don't feel joy, if you practice these small skills, it means that you are extending yourself to someone else, that makes them feel better and then you feel better. So even on your worst days, if you take out your earbud or or you give someone a pleasant hello, it can elevate everybody. Absolutely. One, One of the areas I'd like to focus on with your permission is talking about interruptions. Oh, yes. Let's go there. Well, thank you. Because we have so many interruptions in our world, There is all kind of noise coming at us, whether it's street noise, whether it's stuff that's in our earphones and are getting tweets and so forth. So there's a lot of noise. And I know this creates um, 
this gives you a hit of dopamine, doesn't it? When you get a tweet and you hear bing, bing, bing. Mm. Uh, but that doesn't sustain us. That's just a momentary uh, hap- happy click. Um, but w- what I find is that because people are interrupted so much in the digital world, then they begin to interrupt in the real world. And one of the skills that I work on with my clients in Confidence Project workshops is how do you speak up when you're interrupted? And how do you support other people when they are being interrupted? Mm -hmm. So here's the skill. The skill is when you are interrupted to use someone's name. When you use someone's name, according to studies, verify this for me, it, it uh, activates a certain part of our brain that gets their attention. You know, like when you're walking down the street and somebody says, mom, and then I turn around because- it's all the moms. All the moms. <laughs> right. That's my name. That's my name. <laughs> and I think it's the same with us. When we hear our name, it activates us and it gets us quiet for a moment. So if someone is interrupting you, Paul, just to say, Tracy, just a moment, I'd like to finish my point, and then I'd love to hear what you have to say. It's mm. a small gesture, but it makes a big difference when you use someone's name, and don't apologize for it. Paul, I, I'm, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but you know what? I just wanted to finish my point. As soon as we use those qualifiers, like, I'm so sorry, I just want to, would it be okay? Now we're in a position of, of weakness as opposed to standing mm. up in our own space. Yes. Uh, so use someone's name and then make your statement. Um, uh, Jim, hold on, please. I'm almost finished. I'll get right to you. That's it. Right. And once you assert yourself that way, people think of you that way. And you think of yourself that way. Those words come out of your mouth and you thought, I've said it once, I can say it again. That's right. And it now increases if, your confidence. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tracy, and now, if so, go ahead. I'm excited about this. Yeah, well, and you've got me fired up too. And you've, I think you've cued this up beautifully for us to get into this confidence idea as we come back from this first break. Can we oh, go God. there? Yes. Awesome. You guys, we're going to be right back. This is Tracy Bagley Hooper at Live On Purpose Radio. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. Aristotle And welcome back, everyone. Tracy Bagley Hooper, herself, in the person. (laughs) Wow, Tracy, you've got a thing called the Confidence Project. Or, did I get that right? You did. Yes, indeed. And as we were just breaking... Uh, you were leading us into some, I think, very practical things that we can do to actually increase our confidence. I was even thinking about that when you were talking about the eye contact. Yes. You, if you practice eye contact, you feel more confident. Yes. And even if you have to stare at the bridge of their nose, like you were saying. Right. And you, you don't try have to, it. And you don't have to stare at people endlessly. This sort of one, two, three one, two, three, one, two, three. I mean, if you're, if you're in a group and you're addressing a group, you know, three seconds to the left side, three seconds to the middle, three seconds to the right. That's kind of a normal thing. In conversation, it's normal to sort of look away as you're thinking, but then come back to the person and focus on their eyes or at the bridge of their nose. You know, the world is, gets a lot of attention. 
extroverts get a lot of attention in the world. Right. But there are endless numbers of people who are simply quiet, maybe shy, maybe introverted. And, you know, where would we be without Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling, uh, Mm -hmm. Larry Page, Google, E.T., Steven Spielberg? All of these people are self-described introverts. And they did not succeed in spite of being introverted. They succeeded because of it. They are driven. They are planners. They are doers. They are creatives. And we need to celebrate the fact that there are many people who have, it's tricky for them to use some of these skills, but once you practice them, then they become easier and then you can connect because we don't want to miss the chance to miss anybody. We don't want to just be listening to the big voices, the big people, Mm. the big mouths. We want to listen and pay attention and treat everyone with dignity. Yes. There's an old saying about how um, still waters run deep. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the quieter people have even more going on inside. We don't access it until we connect and we, we have a chance to really find out what's going on with that person. Yes. Yes. Well, okay, so this brings, there are two things I was thinking before the break. Uh, mm-hmm. We were talking about interrupting people, right. or when you are interrupted, when you're interrupted. Day. Mm-hmm. And now, what do you do if you notice that other people are being interrupted? Because the, in every group, typically there's an interrupter, the person who has to get the last word in, who has to talk about their project. And in the Obama administration, the women of the Obama administration practiced a skill called amplification. And Mm. that is, if they heard you were saying something, Paul, and you got interrupted, they would say, Paul, before we go on to the next topic, I'd like you to finish what you were talking about. Go ahead and tell us more about that. Now Uh, I have amplified you. I've signaled to the group that before we move on, I want Paul to be able to finish what he said. And mm -hmm. now you get to finish and you feel important. And now you're elevated and the rest of the group knows Wow, everybody gets a chance to talk. It's a really right. cool technique, um, and it doesn't take a lot of skill, but it makes people know that everybody's voice is important. How about right. that for a technique? So using the name, again, like you said, that, and that's the civility part of it. Mm-hmm. That's connecting with someone in a way that helps them to feel important mm-hmm. and valued. Mm-hmm. Using the name Tracy. Yes, and, and then interrupting the flow by saying, before we go on, I yes. really want to hear what you had to say about that. Right. I want you to be able to finish what you started. Exactly. And you're not pointing fingers at other people. You're not saying, hey, Sally, quit interrupting Paul. You're not doing that. You're just using your name and saying, I'd like you to finish. I'm really curious about this, about this topic. Continue on for us. And I think also it's important to ask, you know, people say, how do you have a conversation with people you don't know? Like, I'm not really confident enough to do that. And here's Mm -hmm. the trick. You only have to ask three questions ever. What, how, and tell me more. That is the way you can build your confidence in conversations. Paul, what, what interests you about psychology? What, what got you started? Uh, how do you find the world has changed now? What is the biggest issue that people are talking about? What, how? And tell me more about that. 
That is your way of saying, I'm curious, you matter to me, I'm listening. You know, Larry King, the famous talk show host? Yes. He says, I never learned anything while I was talking. (laughs) Isn't that great? You got two ears and one mouth. You betcha, baby. So use them in that ratio. Use them in that ratio. So what, how, and tell me more. This is a skill that you can use today when you're having conversations with people. And I want people to not be anxious about what they're going to say. Uh, when you take the, it takes the pressure off of you to be perfect. The perfect conversationalist is someone who asks questions and listens. The beautiful thing that I'm seeing here in those three questions is the way that it opens people up and invites them to engage with you. I just thought of a parent-child interaction, for example. One of the most common things that a parent will ask as a child comes home from school. Did you have a good day at school, yes. honey? Yes. Yep. Now, wonderful that you're interested in your child. You just asked a closed-ended question. This is going to, they can easily answer it with yes or no, or, and we're done. Yeah. Your question, Tracy, opens them up. What did you enjoy about school today, sweetie? Yes, exactly. And you know what that's called, Paul? That's called priming for the positive. When you're in conversation with people, you can prime them for the positive about, you know, like how was school? It was lousy or it was okay or it was fine. But if you say, tell me the best thing that happened today or in conversation with adults, tell me about your vacation plans this summer. What's the most exciting thing that's happened to you this year? Now people get excited. You're priming them for the positive, and then they want to talk with you. And then you can have a conversation and put that cell phone away. I always tell people, turn your phone off, Mm. stick it in your pocket, and practice cell phone daycare. There is a nice spot for your cell phone with cell phone daycare in your pocket. (laughs) I have a friend who's a 28-year-old. She calls herself a millennial with house rules. And she said it used to be when people would come over to her house, they'd sort of half talk and half listen, half text Mm -hmm. and half listen. And then somebody would say something funny, and the texters would then look up from their phones and say, wait, what? 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 And then they'd have to start over again. Mm -hmm. She said, now with cell phone daycare, everybody puts their cell phones in a basket by her front door. I saw an image on your website. Did you? Cell phone daycare. I love it. Yeah. And two things happen. She said, we have better conversations and nobody is distracted. Beautiful. And doesn't that feel good that people are not checking to see if somebody more important is calling than when they're talking to you? I love it. It's great. You know what, Tracy? I was invited recently to speak to a youth leadership group. This is a self-led youth leadership group, they organize the group. They go out and get speakers wow. to come in and speak to their group. And all these wow. kids are under the age of 18. And as I went into this, and it was wonderful. There were, I think, 30 gathered in this fairly large living room area in one of their homes. Mm-hmm. And I was their guest speaker. And as I went in, I saw in the center of the room, a pile of cell phones and tablets and other devices, a pile beautiful right in the middle and the expectation is you come in and you throw your phone on the pile yeah and it's just it's a beautiful thing oh i wish i had a picture of that oh my gosh well they connected with this idea when we're present we're present yeah and we're connected and we're engaged 
And these, there's a reason why these kids are going to lead the next generation. Yeah, we're counting on them. Yes. Mm-hmm. And thank you to all of you young people who are listening to the show and connecting with these ideas. Yes. It's so awesome. I'm, I'm very curious about, and I've been doing some research, about whether babies are having difficulty developing empathy because their parents are on their phones so much and not looking them in the eye. I've, done, I've seen some research around that, mothers and babies, and how important, tell, help us with this, Dr. Paul, that mm-hmm. eye contact is so important, isn't it, for infants and toddlers? Oh, yeah. That connection, that feeling of, of interpersonal connection is huge. And, and babies, especially at an early stage of development, don't have the cognitive ability or the social background to be able to connect with a lot of things, Hmm. but they do very naturally and instinctively hone in on faces Hmm. and particularly eyes. And you'll see this with young kids who can barely hold their head up and you get eye contact with them and they kind of light up a little bit. Yeah. That it's a natural instinctive developmental kind of a thing. And is that where we learn empathy as well? By looking at people's eyes, like, am I making sense? Are you confused? Mm. I mean, I always feel like you can look at someone's eyes and tell whether they get what you're saying or not, or whether they're mad Mm. at you or whether they're, you know, disconnected. Yes. And this is something that is not tied to our culture specifically. I remember a a class in human ethology that I took during my PhD program, and we looked across cultures at the way simple facial expressions are consistent throughout the planet, throughout the the entire human race, and it's not tied to culture. So, And some things are, obviously, Mm -hmm. tied to our culture or our traditions, but there's a lot of things that are just innate. And I think, Tracy, you're hitting on some of these very innate factors that help us as human beings to actually connect. Yeah. Which builds our confidence and our connections. Yes. Our joy goes up. Our joy goes up. Which is sweet. Precisely. May I give you another technique? Sure. To boost confidence? This is my favorite. I call this the unsung hero of confidence. You ready? Yeah, bring it. Good posture. Oh, yeah. Good posture is the unsung hero of confidence, and you don't even have to open your mouth. You can go into a room or you can sit in a meeting with good posture, and it exudes confidence. Plus, it helps get rid of tension headaches and low back pain and makes you look one inch taller and 10 pounds lighter just by having good posture. Yes. Yes. Now. Again, our culture creeps in though, right? We're all hovered. Oh, yeah. Practice. I got to add some validity to what you're saying because I practiced, I I experimented with this on purpose. I was at a concert. And as we were going into the concert hall, we took a moment for a quick little restroom break. And I'm waiting in the hallway, busy people coming in and out of the concert hall. And I'm waiting for my wife to come out. And I realized, you know what? Now is a great time for me to practice standing tall. Yeah. So I brought my shoulders back a little bit and I stretched that spine and I put my hands down to the sides of my body, not in front of me, not folded sides of my body. And I just held my chin up a little bit. Yeah. And it was so amazing how I felt different. 
in that moment. And people started to connect with me differently. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they were looking at me like, who's that guy? Yes. Or at least I imagined that was happening. <laughs> <laughs> but think about that if you're a quiet person and yeah. it's difficult for you to, to make those initial connections. You don't worry about it. Just I refer to it, this as pulling your shoulders. So if you pull your shoulders up close to your ears, like you're nervous, like you're tense, now mm-hmm. pull them down and away from your ears and have yes. your chin level. That's all you need to do. And it does take practice. But it's a great way for people to boost their confidence instantaneously. And you're a perfect example. Like, mm. who is that guy? He must really feel good about himself. I'd like to say hello to him. That's what happens. And you know what? Whether they were thinking that or not, that's what was going on in my mind. Yes. And yes. that has me showing up differently. Yeah. Oh, in- interestingly, at the uh, University of British Columbia, they did a study and found. So there's something called the power pose where you put your arms up like you're crossing the finish line. Oh, yeah. And that's because, you know, when you feel good, you take up space, right? You puff out your chest. Mm-hmm. At the University of British Columbia, they did a study and found that even blind runners put their arms up above their heads when they cross the finish line. Mm-hmm. So that makes you feel good. And if that's something you can do before you go to an event or if you're giving a speech or a presentation or an interview – just put your arms up like a power pose. Power it up. Power it up. I love power it. it up. Tracy, you've given us some great tips. Uh, your website, confidenceproject.com. Dot com. That's it. That's it. What will people find there? They will find uh, lots of techniques of how they can boost their confidence. I have a monthly video series, and so people can go to my oh, blog wonderful. and get tips on confidence. And they can find out how these skills can be used in your personal life, in your professional life, uh, to really make other people feel like the most important person in the room. And then it goes from there. Civility reigns. Nice. Confidenceproject.com. This is Tracy Bagley Hooper. And folks, a little added challenge from Dr. Paul. Go poke around on Tracy's website until you find cell phone daycare. <laughs> Go find it. This is a fun little image, but it, it connects back to what we're talking about here today. Yes, and you're also available for speaking and training and bringing this message of confidence and connection through civility to organizations, associations, companies, whoever wants to bring you in, you're down. I am down. It's, it's what I do. And I, as I say, I, my husband and I raised three daughters. That was the best job I ever had. This is the next best job I've ever had in my whole life. I can tell that you love it. And I that's do. why you're so good at it. Thank you. Awesome, folks. You've heard it from Tracy. And now it's time for you to go live on purpose. Purpose.